Welcome to Girl Meets 30, a podcast exploring the unexpected journey to becoming a 30-something. Hi, I'm your host, Tara, here to share experiences from my 20s that have changed my life, while also interviewing others about their journeys. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire you to choose your best life and to prove you're not alone if you're feeling like life has taken you somewhere totally different than where you expected. In this space, we define our own success. Hey, what's up, you guys? Happy Monday. I just wanted to start off by saying thank you so much for all of the support I have already received from old friends and new friends. Honestly, I am blown away by all of it. I haven't even started promoting anything, so I just wanted to express my gratitude because you guys are amazing. I'm just really eager to see where all of this goes and to engage in conversation with all of you who are likely at or entering a similar phase in your life. I know most of my friends are somewhere in their 30s or are about to enter them, so I'm just really pumped to use this as an opportunity to share my experiences, but also to learn from you guys. So I think this is going to be super fun and I can't wait. My plan is to release an episode each Monday, and I'm doing this in an effort to help with the Monday blues or Monday scaries or whatever you refer to them as. Honestly, I don't think it's fair that Mondays get such a bad rap. Personally, I love Mondays. Many, 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 many moons ago, many circles around the sun ago, I had a blog and I wrote about how much I love Mondays. (laughs) Seems really silly. Um, But I actually love it as a form of routine, as a way of getting your week started as you know, being able to see all the people you haven't seen since Friday. I'm a people person. Now my schedule's a little bit different. I work all online and my days don't have that kind of structured routine that most of us were used to throughout the majority of our lives. And some of you may be in that same boat where a Monday is not really a Monday anymore. So maybe you don't feel exactly the same way. But either way, I think this is going to help me kind of get back into a little bit of a routine, have a little bit more of a normal schedule, and really just kind of Go back to that Monday start that's ingrained in me, that has been ingrained in me for so long. So my plan is that for the beginning of each episode, we're going to do a Monday moment of gratitude for the week before. And I'm going to share something that I'm grateful for, an experience that I would consider a highlight to my week. But I also want this to be a time for you to think about some of your positive takeaways and something that was meaningful to you for the week. So I'm just going to start off being totally transparent. December was a very hard month for me. And as a result of some of the craziness that happened, we were not able to celebrate Christmas as a family. And so what we ended up doing was not having any of our Christmas celebrations until the first week of January, which leads me to my highlight. So this is my favorite time of the year. I love when the weather's getting colder. I love the Christmas energy, I guess, that's around. And so for me, It was really good to get together with the family and have those celebrations that we weren't able to have in December. The major highlight is actually the gift that I gave to my nephews and my niece. I'm a pretty environmentally conscious person, so I tend to give them experiences over items. And this year I did that. But in addition to that, I did get them all a custom gift. You see, they had complained multiple times about not having a sketchbook. And I thought, okay, I'll get them sketchbooks. But then I started thinking more about it and decided that I was going to make a custom sketchbook for them. So, shameless plug here, if you follow my art Instagram, at terrible underscore art, that's terrible spelled like my name, T-A-R-A-B-L-E underscore art, 
you've probably seen me do some portrait designs in the past. So that's kind of what I did. I took a photo of them as themselves, things that they're passionate about, part of their identity. My niece playing the ukulele, my nephew playing baseball, my other nephew just being a goofball, just pictures that kind of show who they are. And I turned those into a digital design, and then I added their name and some fun lettering, and I had them custom printed as the cover of these sketchbooks for them. And honestly, I was so surprised at how much they loved them. My one nephew immediately started taking pictures and sending them in group chats to his friends. He wanted to brag about it, which just made me feel like, oh my gosh, how cool is that? But then my niece also gave me a hug, and she's like, thank you so much, Aunt Tara, I really love it. And that was just so sweet. But yeah, that was my highlight for the week. Definitely made me feel really good on the inside. So I would love to hear what made your week so great. And if you don't mind, share with me on Instagram and I'll put it into next week's episode. You can head over to my Instagram at girlmeets30 and check out my stories. And there'll be a little question block with a space for you to share your story. So since this is the first episode, I wanted to take this time to introduce myself to those of you who might not know me very well, and I'm going to do my best not to overshare too much because I don't want to give too many spoilers about what's to come in future episodes, but I do want to give you a little bit of information about how I got here. In middle school, I feel like I was a totally different person. The beginning of middle school, I feel like I was honestly a little bit closer to the person I am today because I hadn't had my dreams crushed. (laughs) That sounds really dramatic. <laughs> um, but but realistically, I think that middle school is a time of a lot of change for people. And I don't think it's uncommon for it to kind of crush your self-esteem. And honestly, I can't even pinpoint a reason why it happened. All I know is that between 7th and 8th grade, I was afraid of everything. And I always was an anxious kid. Like, I have very distinct memories of how my anxiety affected me through my life up until that point. But it got bad between 7th and 8th grade. Like, almost paralyzing in a way. It definitely kept me from pursuing anything that I wanted to. I was just afraid, and I would just break down and cry all the time. And then by the time I got to high school, I wanted to keep challenging myself, but I felt so inadequate that I just kind of lived in fear of my classes for four years. And that was pretty awful. And then by the time I ended up in university, my freshman year... Things were really different in the sense that my classes and everything were a lot easier and I was getting praised for the work I was doing when I knew I was being lazy. And I just knew that if I had turned in that quality of work to my high school English teacher, for example, that he'd have ripped it to shreds because it wasn't good quality. It was terrible. And I knew that. And yet, for whatever reason, my college professors were like, this is great. I do think that was a little bit important to my journey, though, because, like I said, I felt super inadequate. So that relieved a lot of that probably unnecessary stress that I was putting on myself. However, it didn't make me feel like I needed to challenge myself in any way. And honestly, academically, my university didn't really challenge me. But in other ways, it certainly encouraged me to get out of my comfort zone. And that's the time where a lot of this journey began. This time period was honestly super transformational for me, which... It sounds pretty intense and kind of crazy to say, but it is true. I'll tell more about the specifics of this story in a future episode, but suddenly I was able to start chasing the things that actually made me uncomfortable. It was a really big deal for me getting out of my comfort zone for the first time. And 
I think that's because I did make myself uncomfortable. I did challenge myself in high school, but never to the point where I was able to actually see what good was coming from it. And I think that that's actually a really important part. I think that if you challenge yourself and you're uncomfortable and then you don't see the positive side of it, then you just wonder why? Why am I putting myself through this? Whereas once you start to see the effects, then it's really motivating to keep going and you start to like crave it. You're addicted to it. And that's what happened to me. But once I started finding comfort in being uncomfortable, I started to think of my comfort zone as an elastic band. And recently I actually decided to start looking that up because I was curious if anybody else had had this thought. And apparently I'm not alone. I looked it up on the internet and there are lots of articles and posts about it. And I don't really know where the idea originated from, but essentially, think of your comfort zone as an elastic band. Before it's stretched, inside of that area is where you feel most comfortable. This is your starting point. But each time you push yourself to do something that challenges you, you stretch it a little bit. Now, at first when you do that, it likely bounces back to its original state. But you learn that it didn't snap. You learn that you can stretch yourself again. And you keep doing it, just a little, little at a time, And as you get more comfortable in that expanded state, you push it even more. And eventually that rubber band never goes back to its original size. It's always going to be a little stretched out. And that's what happened to me in my comfort zone. But I think what I had to do is I had to push a little bit more than what I had been doing before. Because if I think about what I had done in high school, maybe I just stretched that band a little bit that it didn't actually really stretch any of the elastic there. And it certainly wasn't stretched enough for me to see the value in pushing myself to to really see what good could come of it. But once I had expanded that enough to a point that I actually saw some kind of return for pushing myself, I became addicted to challenging myself. I started to see what I could do, whereas before I had looked at that rubber band as what I couldn't do. Everything that was on the outside of that rubber band was what I could not achieve. But now I see it as as a challenge. I look outside of my rubber band and I think, yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to do that. And I stretch myself. It has honestly given me an entirely new perspective on life. I think one of the most important things to remember when you're looking at your comfort zone as an elastic band is that think of buying a bag of elastic bands and how none of them are really the same size. And some of them stretch more easily than others. You cannot judge your life in your comfort zone based on somebody else's. They just have a different rubber band. They may have started at a different size, or maybe it stretches a little bit differently. Maybe it has a little bit less resistance than yours. And that's why it's so important that when you're pushing yourself, when you're challenging yourself, when you're stretching yourself, that you're judging yourself based on your own rubber band and not somebody else's. The only journey that matters is your own. The goal here is progress. Use your elastic band as your tool for measurement, not somebody else's. So start thinking about how you can level up from where you're at currently. What habits can you build little by little to shift your mindset, to compound and ultimately eventually expand that rubber band permanently where it's not actually going to ever go back to its original state? That's where you should focus your energy. Honestly, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't started craving the next thing that was going to challenge me, the next thing that was going to expand my elastic band, I never would have ended up living in multiple different countries, traveling the world, accepting any leadership positions in the various organizations I was involved in, or even having this podcast. I would have been too afraid for any of these things. I just never wanted to take any chances. So find where you're comfortable being uncomfortable and keep growing that zone. 
keep expanding it, keep stretching it out. Because this mentality drastically changed what I was willing to accept as possible for my life. And it allowed me to then choose how I define my life rather than living based on somebody else's definition. So this is what I challenge you to do. Identify where the bounds of your elastic band lie and start to stretch yourself and just see where it takes you. That elastic band theory is what I owe everything to in my 20s. And honestly, it is the reason that I'm excited for my 30s. I do have mixed feelings, however. Am I a bit terrified to accept the fact that I'm almost 30? I'll be 30 in May. A little bit. I think it's crazy. I think time is such a crazy thing. I think getting older is so weird conceptually. I don't know why. I really struggle with it. It messes with my mind a bit because I don't actually feel like I'm getting older, but I feel like I'm just collecting all of these experiences. And of course, time has to pass in order for that to happen. But I don't know. It's just, it's so crazy to me. And I've definitely had conversations recently with friends who are all kind of in the same boat. And that's sort of what sparked my idea to want to even have this podcast in the first place because a lot of us are like, oh my gosh, whoa, this is 30. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. But like, why? Why are we so afraid? What are we so concerned about? And I also want to take this time to to get us excited instead, to stop worrying so much about, about what 30 means. I do have mixed feelings about turning 30, but honestly, at my core, I think I'm just really excited because the last 10 years of my life have been so amazing. And if I'm being totally honest, when I was 14, I decided I didn't want to get any older. Isn't that weird? Why 14? I couldn't even drive yet, but I, would, I had decided that 14 was the best age to stop aging. Doesn't even make any sense. Really, really weird, but that's how I felt. I don't know. I've always been afraid of getting older for some reason. And not like aging from a superficial standpoint. I honestly think that aging is a beautiful thing. I think it should be worn like a badge of honor. I wish as a society we all believed that a little bit more. I don't think that we should make everyone feel insecure about something that they honestly should be proud of. Like, you've lived. That's amazing. You, don't, you shouldn't have to hide your, your battle scars. But that fear of getting older never really came from, like I said, a superficial standpoint. I think it was more about getting older to me meant that I was losing life. It meant I had less life to live, which I know now isn't true. Do I still find it really hard to grasp the idea of not really existing someday? Yeah, I do. I don't like that thought. It's a really uncomfortable place for my brain to go. But... But I live with excitement for every day and respect for my journey. And I realize that there is so much more life to be lived. I mean, the last 10 years of my life have been the best 10 years of my life. If I had stopped aging at 14, I never would have experienced any of these things that just make me so, so excited. And if how I feel right now, at the end of my 20s, is any indicator of how I'll feel when I finish out my 30s, then I'm all in. I cannot wait to see where things take me and where in the world I end up. And also for you guys too. I'm really excited about growing a community of 30-somethings who are all here supporting each other and sharing our stories and learning from each other. I think it's going to be great.
welcome back, you guys. For the last part of this episode, I really want to focus more on getting to know me. So I'm going to do a little bit of a throwback, a little nostalgia for everyone. We are going to throw it back to the MySpace days where people used to do surveys in their bulletins. So if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you probably, especially if you were in America, because I really don't know how widespread MySpace was internationally, but if you had a high school experience, anything like mine, MySpace was the the thing. MySpace was super cool. I feel so weird even saying that, but I loved MySpace so much so that when Facebook came out, I didn't want to get one. I was honestly really angry. I got a Facebook account against my will. I felt like I felt like I was being forced to abandon MySpace. So MySpace, just know, like old school MySpace, you still have a place in my heart. I know it's a totally different platform now, but I absolutely loved it. And one of the things I loved most was MySpace bulletins. For me, it was like blogging before blogging was really a thing. I mean, there probably were people in the blogosphere then, but I don't even know if it was a blogosphere. I just think there were like people out there with blogs, especially in like the early days, like 2000. Oh my gosh, like 2004, 2006 time period, roughly. Oh my gosh, it was like 16 years ago. But MySpace bulletins were my jam. Honestly, it was one of my favorite things to do after school. I I just adored MySpace. It was the best. And these bulletins, sometimes I would just like pour my heart out into them. And then other times I would do surveys. I ended up doing a quick Google search for MySpace surveys, which is like crazy. Most of these posts were from like 2000, somewhere between 2007 and 2014. And, like, even the 2014 one was a throwback. So, anyway, I feel like I'm really aging myself here, but we're all, this is a safe space for 30-somethings, right? We're all kind of at that point. But as I was looking at some of these, I was reading some of the answers that were included from whoever posted it. And it's so funny because they very much scream, like, apathetic high schooler, which you remember those days, right? <laughs> but it, it's just been really fun, I think. It, it was really fun for me to read through these. And... The whole survey had like 61 questions. I'm not going to answer all 61, but I did go through and kind of pick and choose some that I want to just share with you guys as a way of throwing back, having a little bit of fun nostalgia for people our age who would understand it. And also just to, to share a little bit about myself of answers that I probably wouldn't have thought to give otherwise. So just a little bit of fun. So that all being said, let's go ahead and just get started. Uh, the first question is, first thing you wash in the shower. I wash my hair. I don't know about everyone else, but that's what I do. Probably because, (laughs) not that anybody asked why, but I think the reason why is probably because this makes the most sense to me time-wise. If you use conditioner, you use conditioner after you shampoo, and your conditioner you're supposed to leave in for a little bit, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's what I was always taught to do. Have I read the instructions on the back of the bottle? I don't know, probably when I was really young. That is normal, right? It is normal to leave your conditioner in for a couple minutes while you're in the shower. Yes, no. (laughs) Have I been doing this wrong my whole life? That is what I do. So anyway, I leave it in my hair. And while it's in my hair, I wash the rest of my body because that's just what makes sense. And then I rinse the conditioner out. I don't know. It seems like a logical order for me. But now I want to go read the back of a bottle or something and see if that's what you're supposed to do. Now, I just use, like, bar soap and bar conditioner, so they don't even have instructions on them. So somebody who does have instructions on shampooing and conditioner, please let me know. 
I was not expecting this question to turn into that, but there you go. This is why I used to love MySpace surveys, because I would just start talking about something and I would end up just a little bit off where I thought I would, you know? It's kind of funny. All right, the next question is, are you more of a coffee drinker or an alcohol drinker? Yeah, for me, um, I'd like to say neither, realistically, but if I have to choose one or the other, I guess I would have to choose alcohol because I never have coffee. Like, never. Maybe, like, once or twice a year I get coffee. I really don't drink coffee. And if I do have a coffee, I have one coffee because it makes me pretty sick. So if I have alcohol, I can drink more alcohol than I can coffee before being sick. I feel better after drinking alcohol. I get like a coffee hangover. Like the caffeine that's in coffee makes me feel horrible for like a full 24 hours. It really messes with me. Where like alcohol does not affect me on that same level. I'd have to drink a lot of alcohol to feel as bad as I do off of one cup of coffee. But that all being said, now that I'm 30, <laughs> I really don't drink that much anymore. I don't know. I haven't really drank much for probably the last like three to four years. I definitely drank a lot more when I was an expat in China. I think that was a huge part of the expat culture, especially in Shanghai. Next question. How are you feeling right now? Honestly, I'm feeling pretty refreshed. I slept for 12 hours, which I never do. That was a pretty big deal. And um, I guess also I'm probably feeling a little bit stressed. I'm working on trying to work in a schedule for creating all these podcasts and also for editing them and everything and just adding like it's a pretty big project but it's fun and I'm excited about it but just trying to find a way to fit that into my time while I'm also working on growing my art business and um, all of the other things that I have on my plate so it, it is really exciting but possibly just a little bit overwhelming but in like a, a good and motivating way at this point Let's see what's the closest thing to you that's red if I look around I can see two things that are about equidistant one is a red a red ornament on my little Charlie Brown Christmas tree because I haven't put away my Christmas decorations yet. And another thing is a red lanyard from a roller coaster event at Holiday World from a couple years ago. <laughs> Tell me about the last dream you remember having. Oh my gosh, this is awkward. So last night, last night I had a dream about one of my exes, somebody who I have not dreamt about in like 10 years. And for whatever reason, he came over to my house, which he doesn't live anywhere near my house. Like, this is a very unlikely story. Anyway, this would never happen. But basically, he came over, and he was trying to be all nice to me, and I was not having any of it because most of the relationship he spent being nice, and he actually wasn't being nice, you know? But anyway, which actually gave me a bit of a complex about self-proclaimed nice guys, which could be a whole other rant in and of itself. But I I don't understand this dream. Like, for whatever reason, he was over. He was being really nice. And then I was being really rude back. And then at the end of it, I offered to give him my pillows, which I don't understand. Somebody should get on and analyze dreams because that would be amazing. But basically, for the new year, I decided I was going to treat myself to a new mattress, new bedding, new expensive pillows. I decided for 2022... This would be the year that I completely up my sleep game. And I still have the old pillows sitting in my bedroom right now trying to figure out what to do with them, who to donate them to, or who has use for them, or what I can repurpose them into. And and yeah, I guess in my dream, I thought it would be a good idea to offer them to him. And I really don't have any idea what caused that dream to happen. 
It's super weird. Also, I couldn't tell you the last dream I had before that. So, so odd that that question is one that came up today. Uh, let's see. What comes to mind when I say cabbage? Uh, kimchi is my first response. Um, I never really ate cabbage. Honestly, the only cabbage that I enjoy eating... Well, that's not necessarily true anymore, but for a long time, the only cabbage I enjoyed eating was kimchi, so kimchi. Kimchi's my answer, yeah. Have you ever met a celebrity? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, what you classify as a celebrity. Like, what what level of fame does it take to become a celebrity? But I've met Kristen Chenoweth. I've met Corbin Blue. I've met Jake Epstein from Degrassi, which I have a pretty good story about. And I've met a lot of... Um, singers from bands so I guess you know that just depends but the Jake Epstein story is pretty funny if you've ever watched Degrassi he was Craig and he was in the the national tour of Spring Awakening so when they so when that tour was in Detroit I went this was during high school and at the end of the show I got my picture taken with him and I told him that he was magnificent and I'll always remember this he responded and said, wow, nobody has ever told me I was magnificent before. And I was just like, score. He's going to remember me forever as the girl who told him he was magnificent. Heck yeah. <laughs> High school girls. So weird. <laughs> How many countries have you visited? So I stopped counting when I got to 30-ish. I think I'm probably at like 33 maybe. Um, at least 33 different countries and territories. Honestly, I get a little confused if I should count the UK as one. Have you ever watched Ted Lasso? And there's the part where he's like, how many countries are in this country? They go, four. <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard. And that's why I'm like, do I count? Do I count Scotland, England, Northern Ireland, and Wales as separate countries? Like, I don't know. But anyway, um, including different countries and territories is somewhere like 30 three to 36, somewhere in there. Um, I had a goal to get to 27 before 27. And then I had like another year of travel after that before the whole world shut down. And I haven't really been able to do any international travel since then. But yeah, let's see. Have you ever been in a castle? Yes, yes, quite a few. Um, I think if you travel somewhere in Europe and you don't go in a castle, can you really say that you've been to Europe? Because they're everywhere. I just looked it up online, and there's, like, over 10,000 different medieval castles and their remains. So, like, if you if you go to Europe and you don't visit a castle, I just... How did you do that? I did... So, and if you haven't been to Europe and you've been in, in America, I did hear... I, I need to fact check this, but I did hear that there's a castle or two. I think there's for sure one, apparently, in America. And apparently, though... It was, it's only like 100 to maybe like 200 years old. And I think that might even be a stretch. Like I said, I haven't fact checked this, but apparently some person built a castle within the last couple hundred years. Like, does that even count? I don't think so. But it might be pretty cool. I probably would go visit it, but I just don't know if I'd count it as like visiting a, a castle, you know? All right, moving on. Do you rent movies often? This question I only want to include because, wow, how old are we? Remember the days of Blockbuster? Like, that was a thing. Like, Friday night, you're like, yes, let's go get some candy and some popcorn. Those, like, buckets. Do you remember the cardboard buckets that had the microwavable popcorn in the bottom? You could take it home and put the whole thing in the microwave. That was fun. Let's see. I think after that, after those 
like those kind of rental stores started to lose some traction. They had the, what was it, like Redbox or something? Red something. It was like a vending machine for DVD rentals. I think I only ever took advantage of that like once or twice. I don't even know if they still exist. They might. Does anybody know? If you have any comments on any of these things, please reach out and let me know because I just think they're fun conversations. But yeah, um, now, I don't know, now you just stream stuff. I do think that renting digital streams of videos is such a ripoff. Like, I hate that on Amazon they're like, it's $6.99 to rent this for 48 hours or you can pay $9.99 and buy it. Well, yeah, duh. Like, I don't know. I cannot, I don't understand not just buying it in that case. It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like the cost of the rental versus getting to keep it and have it forever is, I don't know. I just, what, one, I just think it's such a ripoff. I feel like the rental cost is so stupid. I know that depends a lot on the movie itself, but still, I think in general, like, the cost of the rental versus just purchasing it is just so silly to me. And also because it's such a short rental period. Okay, and the rest of these are pretty weird, like, hypothetical questions, so I'm done with all of them except this last one. So the last one is, would you rather live longer or be wealthy? And I think that some of you might be a little bit surprised by my answer or might think that I would say something different. I don't know. Just just hear me out because I feel like initially it might seem a little bit contradictory to a lot of the things that I believe, but I'm going to say I'd rather be wealthy. And and that's because of the way that I view the word wealthy. I think for a long time I just viewed wealth as having money, but I don't think of it that way anymore. I don't think that wealth is about the amount of money someone has. I think it's about the amount of time someone has, that that freedom that you have. And so I'd, I'd consider somebody with less money but more time to be wealthier than someone who makes a lot of money but trades each hour in a day for that amount. So I think if you're wealthy, you have more freedom and you can live more life. So even if you have 10 years less life, you likely have more adventure, more experience, more value in that time period, more time with your friends and your family. And so for me, yeah, that's that's just how I feel. It's all about adding value to life, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, what's that quote from Hitch? Um, life is not the amount of breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away. It's not about quantity, right? It's about quality. So that's how I feel. And I think that being wealthier in a sense of having more time is truly a much better way to add value to your life as opposed to just living more years. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this first episode. Hopefully this was a good opportunity for you to get to know me a bit better and kind of just give you an idea about what to expect from me in future episodes. Don't forget to take some time to be grateful this week and share it with me on Instagram so I can put it on next week's episode and also figure out in what ways you want to apply the elastic band theory into your own life. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Girl Meets 30. If you're looking for more ways to engage in these discussions about growing ourselves through this chaotic, beautiful mess we call life, then come join the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Girl Meets 30. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and a follow on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again for your support, and I'll catch you guys next week.